of the gavel and the gavel. It's me, Harry. I'm based at Windsor at Windsor Auctions, and I am joined by. It's me, Simon. I am in Devon. <laughs> That's all I've got. That's all you can. That's where how's I am. Your, how's your am. How's your week been, Simon? Dear listener. Oh, actually. Apparently, there's a drinking game because we used the phrase "dear listener" about fifty times in the last podcast. So every time you see it, you have to drink a shot. Apparently, you'd be hammered by minute fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> dear listener, I'd like to tell you that um, we're having a busy week uh, because I don't think we should say it too often. Uh, why not? Tequila, dear listener, <laughs> it's good for the soul. Apparently, doesn't give you a hangover. I'm not convinced that's true. Why are you having a busy week? Gone a bit off topic. Why are we on tequila? Why have you had a busy week? Uh, because I'm an idiot and I decided that it would be a clever idea to get our auctions back on track and in sync with Windsor and give ourselves a week and a half to get a 500 lot auction up and published online. <laughs> Turns out, not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah, you are an idiot. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, moving on. I mean, we're all agreed, so there's no, you know. Your week has been hectic. You've been putting stuff together. You're in trouble with producer Big Dangerous D. Yeah. Because you can't remember what times we booked the recordings. No, I don't understand how this information gets to me, but then wings it past me at such great speed that it never makes it into my diary. And how basically most podcasts come as a somewhat of a shock. They do. Uh, Today's episode is one of those shocks, but we are delighted, delighted that we have been joined uh, for a, well, we're hoping it's going to be a grown-up chat because we've got the president of Narva. He's a pr- well, he is a president. We, we've he got the president. president. We've got the president of Narva Property Mark. We are here today with Mr. Richard Worrell. I am delighted to welcome the Narva Property Mark president, so the man who keeps an eye on auctioneers in all our forms. And we are delighted that he has taken the time out because we it's a very busy schedule. He's been talking at a conference only hours ago and has hightailed it back to a laptop so he can talk to us, Simon. It is Richard Worrell. Hello, Richard. How are you, mate? I feel much better after that intro. Thank you, Harry. <laughs> Richard, welcome, welcome, and thank you. As Harry said, uh, we really appreciate you taking time out of what we know is a very, very uh, hectic schedule. And we've never had a president on our podcast before, so we feel very, very honoured indeed. So um, if I can kick things off, Richard, for our dear listeners, Narva Property Mark, have I got that right? You have, Absolutely. Could you tell us, give us the background for those that aren't in the know about the great work that your organisation does, um, some background as to what you do um, and indeed why it's so important to our industry and our business. Okay, all right. That's going to take up the whole podcast. So I'll try and get... <laughs> Excellent. I'm all, I'm all for not talking. Lovely. I'll get a biscuit. <laughs> I try, I try and uh, keep it um, tight. So um, Property Mark is the overarching umbrella, if you like, for um, the organisations which are NAVA, the National Association of Valuers and Auctioneers, um, uh, the National Association of Estate Agents, NAEA, and ARLA. Uh, the Association of Rental uh, Letting Agents. So, uh, and then we also have a commercial arm and we also have uh, an inventory arm. Uh, And they all come under the property mark umbrella. So my role as uh, president um, for the time that I'm in that position is 
to do what I like doing really, Simon, and that is just go around um, extolling the virtues of auction, uh, not just uh, property auctions, although I am a property auctioneer, but as uh, Harry said um, a moment ago, there are so many different types of auction houses and auctioneers. Uh, we have um, NAVA members who are agricultural auctioneers, livestock auctioneers, car auctioneers, commercial auctioneers, distressed goods auctioneers. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few out. We have auctioneers who deal specifically with the uh, valuation and sale for the licensed uh, trade. So quite a specialised field. We have fine instrument auctioneers who are, you know, uh, goods, chattels like yourselves, fine art. You know, it is a broad church. Um, so my my mission uh, that I've set myself this year is to is to visit as many different types of uh, auction houses and auctioneers as I possibly can to highlight the wonderful diversity that we have in our industry. When I meet the members to ask them what they want and what they require from NAVA to assist them, and then having asked that question to do my absolute best along with the other panel members to uh, get them that. Uh, and if I can't get them that, I'll tell them, tell them why. And the other thing that I really want to do is obviously promote um, the world of auctions as much as possible to to attract the next generation of valuers and auctioneers to come into the industry, into the profession. I love it. Uh, you know it's been around since 500 BC, so since the time of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. That's the first uh, recorded auctions that we know about. They weren't particularly PC in 500 BC, um, so the first auctions that we know about were to find uh, or auction off um, wives uh, to the local men, and then uh, the Romans got into auctions in a big way. That's where we get the word auction from. Um, so the word auction derives from the Latin word auctio, and the literal translation of that is to increase. You know, this is all stuff that I have in my head, and I just want to impart it to people. I was in a room full of 100 people today talking to them. I said, okay, who's just learned something? Now I told them that. All the hands go up. That's great. They go away. If that's the only thing they remember, I'm fine with that. Um, but um, just so as yeah. you know, Harry's and my hand went up at the uh, yeah, straight yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, so, so, if you so, wanted yeah, our hands yeah, up, our exactly. hands we're up. there. I'm we're there. Hundred percent. I've already learned something. I'm just. I don't even think we need to ask any questions, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Richard's got it covered. So you're out there going to all these different types of auctions. What? Are, how long have you been in post now, Richard? It's uh, since the uh, beginning of July. And what are your sort of what are your uh, sort of key observations so far? What's the sense of what you're experiencing out there with all these diverse auction houses? It's so different. Although everything that we do, so what I do, what you do, what the livestock guys do, is contractual on the fall of the gavel. That's why we like it. Everybody's um, everybody's understood and understanding that they have. Uh, obtained what they want. The buyer and seller contractually bound at that point, and that's why we like auctions. Um, but it's very different in all the, the different people that I've seen so far. So I went to see uh, Kivel's Livestock Auction in Exeter. I mean, what an amazing setup that is. It's so labour intensive. You can imagine moving hundreds and thousands of uh, livestock through your premises on a daily basis. They're coming in, they're being shown, they're then being sold, they've then got to get away from the premises. And or the um, bio regulations. Just moving, just moving livestock. I mean, not only have you got to adhere to a lot of DEFRA um, uh, things, they've all got to be tagged. They've got to show them where they've moved around the country. But also, they 
unlike a Georgian sideboard, they have a mind of their own and don't necessarily want to head in the right direction. Absolutely. I can't imagine, and I, I, I'm in awe of all livestock auctioneers. Also, it's a very different field from us because the speed, oh my life. And it's all done and it's all done in old money as well, which doesn't help. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different world. And I can't imagine any of your Georgian sideboards performing some of the things that the livestock <laughs> yeah. I uh, um, But Very um, few jo- little Georgian sideboards are made during an auction, is I think what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I went to see uh, a chap who you may well know. He's on... Um, bargain hunt regularly, Dickinson's Real Deal, etc. Um, a chap called uh, Philip Allwood, and he runs uh, More Allen and Innocent down in Sirencester. I've known Philip for many years. Um, he's active for clients of mine, uh, where there's been um, uh, some you know, nice bits and pieces to sell, in, uh, as well as the property. You know, he's a really experienced auctioneer, and and he said to me, so I said to him, what what do you want from Nara in the coming year? And he said, well, you know, the Ivory Act. He said, we've been dealing with this for years. He said, but, um, you know, I think I know what I'm doing, but it would be really good for Narva to put on a webinar just to bring us up to speed. He said, because you try getting a straight answer from anybody um, in a position of authority, he said, and they're all a little bit bit wishy-washy on it. I'd be interested in your view on that. Yeah, we're, we're in, um, are we in hot water, Simon? No, we're not in hot water, but we've been banging the drum in, in several uh, episodes uh, regarding better education regarding um, the Ivory Act. Uh, we've had uh, Michael Baggett on. He won't mind me mentioning him again because he, he loves it. He owns, he's running the Antiques Rescue Centre, which is not, he was against the ban, but now he's all about trying to preserve history and better educate the general public and auctioneers and people, etc., as to where it all is at. And it is a bit, we fell foul of one the other day where we don't know whether it should or shouldn't have been uh, we got advice from one of our uh, valuers who said you can't include that. Michael came on and said, no, you can include that. And the, and we're going through that at the moment. DEFRA never got involved, but it was just interesting that, the, that we got two, we'd had these two um, differing opinions. And that is down to a lack of education. Not that anybody's got it wrong. It's just the information isn't readily, it's not, it's not readily digestible, I think is what I mean. It's yeah. it's there, but it's sort of you got to dig quite deep for it and all the rest of it. So we're currently advocating, um, like your um, colleague and friend, uh, that it would just be a lot easier if somebody just came out and went, "We're going to educate you all in one hit. Let's get let's get on with it." And if that's something that Narva can pick up on, I think that uh, you've got to you'll have a lot of allies because I know uh, the Antiques Trade Gazette and uh, the Antiques Rescue Centre and all those sort of people are trying to find a way of getting the getting better education would you would you agree simon because yeah, that's where I, we're up to recently absolutely I, I totally agree and one of the big issues that um michael baggett um raised which is is absolutely critical is the amount of artifacts of our history that are being lost completely that are being eradicated because um ex dealer or owner has got this item it's fallen foul. You know, it may be a, again, as we discussed, like a workbox that has ivory components. It's uh, it's Victorian. It's Georgian. It's a beautiful work of art. It is going to be lost. It's going to be destroyed because of its ivory content, because it can no longer exist in our marketplace and therefore will not be sold to somebody that will collect it and treasure it. It will be destroyed. And so huge amounts of our heritage are potentially going to be lost because of this. And that, I think, is um, 
a, a, a consequence that very few people have seen or are willing to consider or indeed address. And it's a it's a it's a sad state. A, a good example would be we had a a beautiful uh, cutlery set, uh, an antique cutlery set come in. All the handles are ivory. Uh, the tangs and the blades are all hallmarked Georgian silver. The only thing you can now do with that absolutely beautiful antique is smash the ivory off and melt down the blades. And that's what the trade will do, because that is its only option to relinquish any kind of return on the investment that's been originally made. So that item is lost forever. And that's a sad indictment of where we're at. And Michael bangs the drum for that. And that's something that perhaps Narva, I don't know whether they would be interested in. It's just, I think it's just getting the education out there, really. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Um, but you brought it up. Now you've, you've set us off, Richard. Set us see, off, yeah. you, can, you can tell that <laughs> quite a lot of our listeners ask us about it and people stop and ask us about and it. And you know what, it, Richard, it isn't just about the fact that we can't sell it and therefore make our commission. It's about the fact that items are coming through our auction houses and are going to be uh, will be destroyed will be lost for generations to come and it's a sad it's just you know it's sad to see it really the whole is thing, the whole thing's a bit of a mess really i think yeah so, so so that's an unintended consequence absolutely certainly after my visit with philip one of the so uh, just because i'm president um, i don't do everything on my own we have a panel so on the uh, narva panel now I have the assistance of a past president, a gentleman called Colin Young. Again, you know, he, he appears on the television uh, an awful lot, a very experienced auctioneer. So with his assistance, because I know, I think I know my side of auctioneering very, very well. He knows far more about uh, your side of auctioneering. Um, so we've almost kind of got little subgroups um, being set up at the moment to deal with things like this. And again, it's something that Colin is very passionate about. It's a couple of things that he and I agree wholeheartedly on, which I'll come on to in a minute. So I need to tap into Colin's experience and uh, talk to people like yourself and to Philip to make sure that we we try and find the right person to present to auctioneers to give them the correct information. That is harder than one would think. Oh no! I do. And also, I mean, we've put our heads on the block on the subject, and we 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 play. Um, we will discuss both sides of the argument, so we 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 make sure that everybody's got every aspect. But let me assure you, the minute we started talking about that particular thing, and we do a lot of funny things on our podcast as well, you know, but it, you get a lot of um, less than constructive feedback, I think is what, <laughs> you know, people are entitled to their views, but um, we have a rule, don't read below the line, because you get quite a lot of uh, interesting comments. Uh, you know, we're, we're completely against, we're quite happy with the ban on ivory and the hunting of elephants. What we're talking about is antiques of a certain age, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's where we are. It's tricky. Um, let's get off the subject of uh, ivory because this we could do 50 minutes just on that. Um, so you, um, I'm loving the fact that you've got these uh, sub, uh, sub parts um, of your sort of the organization. Talk to me about the membership. We, we're gonna drop ourselves in it. And Simon and I are both not members. Uh, of Nava that will soon be rectified because it's this is the most embarrassing moment of this interview membership up down what's the what's the current president trying to achieve that way get the youngsters involved I know that's one of your big things is more young people in the industry but get them involved get them invo involved with Nava and 
you know, boost the membership? Where, where are we up to on that? What's, what's your thoughts? Okay. So um, with regards to membership numbers, they have been pretty static, um, which is good. Um, and they are now beginning to grow. Um, and the, the, the only way that we will grow um, is to make people uh, aware that um, Narva is the place you want to be uh, as an auctioneer. Um, it carries a lot of weight. Um, the thing about property mark as a whole is that government listen um, because there are so many members in the NAA and ALA that they can produce really good detailed reports that government can rely on, that news sources that, uh, can rely on. And obviously, we're not quite at that level with NAVA yet, um, but we are all interlinked. And again, this is you know kind of one of my themes this year is that you know um, letting agents when they start listening to me talk at a conference probably think oh, it's nothing to do with me and it's going to be lunch in ten minutes. So you know, but no, you know there is an income stream there for letting agents that they are just letting walk out of their door. And I see the light bulbs go on with them when I start talking to them and saying, you know, if you've had a, um, a landlord this year who has decided that he's, um, he or she is just not going to sell their property, uh, sorry, is going to sell their property, um, and you've just let them walk off somewhere else, well, you've lost a potential fee because you could have sold that um, property with a tenant in situ at auction, no loss of income for the landlord, your new landlord um, or the new buyer is probably going to be another landlord. They can stay with you because you're already renting it. You retain that and you get a fee. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I didn't think of that. Um, so, you know, we're all part of the same family um, and it's it's getting them to understand that, um, you know, you should have a good working relationship with a property mark member of all different divisions within your area. Um, so that's something that I'm really uh, keen on. Um, the other thing is, um, in order to attract members, we need to get out there. In a short space of time, I've discovered that actually I'm not quite as bad on social media as I thought I was. LinkedIn is my most comfortable one, I've got to be honest. Um, but you're not, Richard, are you telling us you're not a TikTok addict? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I, I, I don't even have, I don't even think I've got TikTok on my phone. Um, but um, there is a brilliant team at um, Property Mark um, who put these uh, so I go out and do these little videos which are really basic little things and then somebody at Property Mark a girl called Susie makes them look amazing and pops them out which is great fantastic so what I'm also after is um, getting more estate agents to take the NVQ um, qualification in property auctioneering because I have I have been banging this drum for years and years and years I don't understand why uh, as an estate agent um, you think it's okay if you um, meet a client for the first time and you don't offer all methods of sale. It's crazy. You know, you are advising a client on arguably their biggest asset. Um, there's more than one way to sell a property. Um, it's not just private treaty. There's tender. There's traditional auction. There's a huge rise in conditional auctions. And you need to understand in that first meeting with your client what the client's uh, personal position is, uh, all the information about the property and when you've had that conversation and i know we're talking a lot because we do talk a lot but actually we've got two ears and one mouth and there's a reason for that um, and that is you need to listen to your client and then you advise them of the best method of sale and it's not okay to say oh yes well uh, we'll just pop it on the market and we'll stick a for sale board up and we'll find you a buyer and it will go through at some point who knows when because that's not right for every client um, and it's not okay equally to offer a method of sale that 
you don't know enough about. So it's always about it's about education. It's about um, and the more agents that get it and understand it, they become better property professionals because that's what we are. We are property professionals. I'm not just an auctioneer. Um, we probably have to turn away 80% of people who ring us up directly and say we want to auction our property because it's not the right method of sale for them. You know, just because somebody rings up and says, I want to uh, sell my house um, to an estate agent, selling by private treaty is not necessarily the best way to get them the best result for their circumstances. So, yeah, I would I would love to get more NARVA members who are currently NAEA members. So that's something that I'll be working on um, this year. It's, it, it, it's interesting. It's, it's an ambassadorial role, I suppose. It's not a remunerated role. And I've stuck my head above the parapet because I think I've got the energy to focus in on doing that uh, for this period of time. If we set things up in the right way going forward, then it doesn't matter who is in the president's role. Um, we have a framework and that's what we're pushing forward on. And the other thing that I really disappointed is a bit of a strong word, um, but I look at the panel. They are all fantastic individuals. Um, highly experienced, been in the industry a long time, all giving up their time, but nearly everybody is a white middle-aged male, and that's not a fair reflection on our uh, on our profession. There are a huge amount of uh, talented people from all backgrounds, and I'm really keen to engage with um, you know more of those uh, members who would want to be on the panel um, because it's 2023 and we're a little bit. 1953 at the moment every industry is trying to reform and get better and and reflect modern society and if if you're going to be the man who does that in your presidency you're doing really well you're doing really well hats off to you but it is about having you know the the right people you've got to have people who want to put their energies into it and you know in a very short period of time i've had conversations with some fantastic uh, individuals from all different backgrounds in all different. So there's one of my Labradors there just uh, whining because it's now. <laughs> no, no, it's we, we, we got it. We got it. Half past five on the dot. You could set your watch by that one. It's like, where's my tea? Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I've been really lucky to. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, been really lucky to have this, uh, these conversations with um, uh, these um, fantastic individuals and hopefully they will become panel members and, you know, future presidents in years to come. Great stuff. Fantastic. Richard, can I put you slightly on the spot here? Because as, as we've said, Harry and I, um, we are co-business owners, but we have an auction house in Windsor. We have an auction house in Devon. And again, as Harry said, slightly embarrassing, neither of us... If we keep saying it, it's even worse. Neither of us <laughs> are NAVA members. Uh, putting you on the spot... What is your what would be your elevator pitch to Harry and I as to why we should? Because and by the way, it's not just us. There are uh, because we've been doing the podcast for a year. There are lots of other auction houses now who I suspect um, are not Narva members and do listen to the podcast. So could could I test you for your elevator pitch as to what we're missing out on, sir? Um, yes, you are putting me on the spot. This is um... sorry. Yeah, no. Did, I... Sorry, and this is uh, my Labrador who's got a cone on his head at the moment. Um, so if we just just wait for him, although he's he's helping me out a little bit here, really. He's giving you some thinking time. He's buying you time, isn't he? Really, come on. Yeah. So, um, so that's why I think you should be Narva members. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it. Fantastic. Um, 
I think the thing is, um, it, within all professions, all industries, it is about, um, I, I think, um, it's about showing yourself off to be the best. You are very experienced. You give your clients a fantastic service. But I think having behind that the weight of we are part of this professional body, we have um, we adhere to their rules and regulations, we want to be qualified, to be recognised, to be the best that we can be. And there is no doubt that whether we like it or not, this is going to come through in the um, uh, world of a state agency at some point in the future. There will be regulation of property agents. That's that, that's going to happen at some point. Um, it might not be before I retire, but it's going to be at some point in the future. And he's just found a toy. It's marvellous, isn't it? You know, I turned all the things off on my computer that could make a noise. Uh, this is just because there's no food at half past five. We're impressed that Team Worrell is all on board for this podcast, and that includes the puppies as well. <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm loving it. For the first time ever, go and do whatever you need to do. <laughs> I've just removed the offending... Oh. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I love I'm it. I'm sure we're we'll going to find another one. Um, yeah, so uh, I think it's, it, it is about um, making you stand out uh, even more than you do at the moment, gents, because you have a fantastic business and you've worked really, really hard for that and you do know what you're doing. But I think it is I had a really interesting conversation with uh, a new NAVA member. And I suppose this is a better elevator pitch, if you like, than what I've just given you. So there's a member and uh, what he, the, the, the part of the auctioneering world that he works in, um, there is a kind of old boys club, if you like. Um, and it's dwindled down over the years. And now they just get together once a year for a dinner and they pay a fee. And that's not what he wants. You know, he wants his staff to have a recognised qualification. He has trained his staff um, over the years, and they are exceptionally good at what they do. But even though they are all of a certain age, they are now all doing their NVQ3 in goods and chattels auctioneering. They'll fly through it because it's not difficult when you know what you're doing. They're not starting from scratch. But he wants that that professionalism to go with his business. Um, and the organisation that he was previously with um, just doesn't give him that. It doesn't give him that clout. And he's a very successful businessman uh, running a really, really good business. But he has come and brought his staff along with him. Interesting. Yeah, excellent. Richard, you you were an auctioneer or are an auctioneer, because uh, I don't think you ever give it up, do you? But it's, it's in your blood. 35 years, is that right? Well, I've been, I've been in property for 38 years now. And I started off as a junior at a company called Frank Fars in Slough. That was my that was my first job. I remember my first interview as I was yesterday. My first boss, David Paternoster, absolute wonderful estate agent. He's a Windsor boy. Uh, well, I was about about to say we were we in another life we were rivals. How funny is that? How funny is that? Yeah. yeah. So he, he was my first boss, and at the interview he said, uh, um, "Can you change a light bulb?" Uh, yeah. Um, have you got a good memory? And I said, I think so. He said, and do you know where McDonald's is down the high street? Because that's where my lunch comes from most days. Um, <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. He said, well, we'll give it a go. See how, see how you get on for a month. And um, yeah, so that was my that was my first interview. So I started off as a junior there and I worked for them for many, many years. And then I ended up having my own uh, business in High Wycombe. That's where I got into auctions because I met a gentleman called Guy Charison, who is past, uh, a past president of NAVA. Um, 
as a potential client at that point. And he said, you know, why don't you do auctions in your business? And I'd never kind of really thought about it. And I hadn't thought about it because um, I'd already got hacked off with private treaty transactions and how long they took to go through. Um, and so I dealt with uh, the land and new home side of the business. I kind of quickly realized when I saw people queuing around the Northern Rock, um, if you remember that crash, mm-hmm. um, that probably a lot of the uh, land and new homes business that I have been dealing with, it wasn't going to be there in the future. And I needed to replace that uh, income for my business. Um, so that's when I got myself qualified. Uh, we held our first auction at um, a hotel in Stoken Church, just off the M40, and um, never looked back. That was on April the 2nd. I wanted to do it on April the 1st, but my business partner wouldn't <laughs> agree. He didn't see the funny side of it, um, but we're not in business together anymore. And, um, yeah, it was a great event. Um, they had to call the fire officer. Uh, the fire brigade turned up because so many people turned up, and they said, you can't have this many people in the building. It's a fire risk. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is fantastic. And I've never, never looked back. Just out of it. Sorry, Simon, jump in. Just out of interest. Guy, you who you spoke to, spoke about earlier there, was a, is a massive advocate of auctions as a whole and was. And he was a big one for banging the drum. Do you think he's because um, obviously you're a very active president. Do you think you've sort of got that a bit of that has rubbed off on you? Because he, so. he, he was he was really big on why aren't you doing this? And come on, let's get on with it. And, you know, yeah. he was a very interesting fellow. Absolutely. And the one thing you don't know is that I work with Guy and uh, he's actually been trying to call me whilst we've been recording. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, fascinating. So, oh, there you so go. yeah, I, I'm, I'm now very fortunate to um, uh, count Guy as a, a very close friend. And, um, yeah, he is um, still a huge advocate. Um, he's um, always giving of his time as a past president um, and, yeah, um, but there, there's there's a number of people like that in the industry, and I think we've just kind of um, we've kind of let it wane a little bit over um, a, a period um, of time, and COVID probably didn't help that either. So now, yeah, very much, yeah, let's just get back, get out in front of people, and um, mm. no, it's just interesting because you're of that, you're a very similar sort of direction. It's fascinating. I'm interested to know, Richard, you, you've alluded to a couple of times. I'm, I'm really interested in this is that um, someone like me, because we're in chattels and antiques and collectibles and jewellery and all the rest of it, not the property side. You make a really interesting point that actually um, private treaty isn't always the best way to sell a house. And, and I've got to say, I've sold a few houses in my time. I never considered other options. I thought you go to an estate agent they put it on right move. You get a for sale sign in the front yard. That's how you do it. So what what are the sort of circumstances, do you think, that people should be aware of where actually going to auction is the right route? Well, it just comes down to the client circumstances and the property. And once you know that information, you can then advise your client accordingly. Most properties in this country are sold by private treaty because um, it's, I don't know, I've glibly said this for years, it's dysfunctionality makes it function well. Um, And I think the thing is that for most people, they, um, if they're selling a property and they're buying somewhere else, you've got to tie those two things in together. So under the terms of traditional auction, it's not going to be suitable if you and your family are looking to buy another family home, because I'm going to sell your home, you're going to be out in 20 working days time. Well, that's not best advice for you. However, there's a lot of circumstances where we act for, for example, for executives. So, um, you know, I'm based down in the southwest of England, where um, uh, you are as well, Simon. 
you know, lots of people move to the southwest. Um, you know, when they've um, had their many years of living up country, they want to be by the seaside or you know whatever. They then move down here. Um, and guess what? None of us are getting out of life alive, and they pass on. And their relatives are up country, not local. They've got a chunky property or a small property, doesn't matter, um, which is two and a half, three and a half hour drive from the nearest relative, um, which they've then got to think about selling and how that works. And for a number of those clients, it's not about getting the last pound out of the deal. They want that certainty and security that auction can give. And so my message always is, well, you could do it this way or you could do it that way. Um, But the decision at the end of the day is yours. And going back to what I said earlier, it's not good enough, in my opinion, if, a, if an agent doesn't offer those different methods of advice to the client because you're just not doing your job correctly. Interesting. Interesting. And, and you, you allude there to sort of the, the conveyancing process. You, you, you mentioned that it, what was that expression? It's, it's broken, but what, what was that? that was- yeah, it's, it's, it's dysfunctionality is what makes it function well um, because everything is subject to contract in a private treaty transaction. So if, if Harry pops his house on the market and I go around there and I say, oh, yeah, I really, really like it, I'll pay you this amount. And eventually Harry says, well, okay, I'll, I'll accept that. And then solicitors are instructed. Uh, and then, well, chances are one of those solicitors is going to be on holiday for a bit and I need a mortgage and I go and see my mortgage broker and my mortgage broker says, oh, yeah, I'll start doing that transaction, but I'm off to Egypt for a fortnight, so I'll pick it up when I get back. And so the... The, the transaction just goes on and on and on. It's quite incredible. When I first started at Fars 38 years ago, we would exchange, or it was expected that you would exchange your pipeline of sales out four times a year. And I used to walk the memorandum of sales up to Harrison Cartwright and other local solicitors, and you'd walk into the solicitor's office um, and um, you'd bow and say, well, good afternoon, Mr. Bayford. And you just, you'd see this little head behind a huge stack of files and a huge fog of cigarette smoke. And you pop them down there. So there's a sales letter from today. And, and that's how it worked in the day. And you were ferrying information around because the bank managers and the building society managers and, and the solicitors and the estate agents used to meet up on a Friday in the grapes on the corner of Snail High Street. And, <laughs> and the transactions used to go through very, very quickly. And nowadays, we've got all this technology available. And yet, estate agents are, on the whole, exchanging their pipelines out two to two and a half times a year. So think about that for a minute. They, if you were turning over a million pounds, I'll, just, I'll keep it really simple with the numbers, you, you're now only going to turn over between 500 and 650,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas as auctioneers, and this is where I really get estate agents, this is when a whole lot of light bulbs start going on when you're talking to them. So we hold 10 auctions a year, but we exchange our pipeline out 10 times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would, you like, how would you like some of that business? Absolutely. Because you're selling stock that is absolutely right to go to auction, but you're not offering that to your client through lack of knowledge or I just don't do it or whatever. Um, and so you're putting your your income in the hands of a really disjointed system. And then you'll sit there complaining that you haven't had an exchange of contracts on that probate property that you're selling to a cash buyer 
and that money's not coming in for five or six months because of delays, delays, delays along the way. Whereas had it gone to auction, from the time you put it on the market to the time you were paid, and more importantly, the time that the client gets their money could be seven or eight weeks wow. maximum. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because and and how does Narva stand on the whole? You know, a lot of people talk about the dysfunction in the English system compared to, for example, the Scottish system, and the fact that. Um, in the in the English system, somebody can literally the the buyer can pull out or the the seller can pull out on the very last day, you know, on the day of exchange of contracts. We can have had, as you quite rightly say, three, four, five, six months worth of work, investment, bills, stress, anxiety, and one party can pull out just like that at the very last minute and the whole thing collapses. And if it's a long chain, multiple people are affected. Where does where does Narva stand on that as a issue? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't change it. You can only try and make it better. You know, private treaty transactions work for most of the market. You know, we're talking 85%, maybe 90% of transactions are sold that way for the reasons that I kind of outlined before, that people need to sell a property to buy a property and the time involved allows people to do that. So you put chains together and eventually it all goes through, but it will always only go through as the slowest person involved in that process. Yeah. So I could be super quick. You could be super quick. Harry could be, you know, super quick. But if one of our solicitors is super slow, then... That's me. Yeah, yeah. I've got that. I've got a very slow solicitor. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of that, that's kind of where it's at. So interestingly, and I'm going to give a plug for one of the speakers, uh, there were two guys from the Coal Authority who spoke at the um, East Midlands Conference today. Fascinating. So um, keep it really brief. So they were talking about um, how they're trying to assist as much as possible with the um, uh, mining searches. And, you know, there's, I think it was 11% of the UK is um, deemed to be in uh, the coal field, the old coal fields. Um, and they used an example today uh, of... Um, a transaction that um, they got involved with late on. Uh, the searches hadn't been applied for um, until right towards the end of the transaction. Then it came up that um, it was in, in a mining area, came up with a bad mining search, and actually the transaction went off. It, 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 it fell through. And this was after, I think they said it was about four, four and a half months into the transaction. And, you know, bearing in mind where the property was being purchased, um, the solicitors didn't think it was a good idea to activate that search far earlier in the process. It's just, it's nonsense. I don't I don't get it. So mm. we can't change that, but you've got fantastic organisations like them that are trying to assist and, and make it better. As Property Mark, we have quite a big voice um, and we are, not me, because I'm a very small cog in the machine, but there are some very smart people um, who work at, at Property Mark who engage with government and government ministers um, and government departments on a daily, weekly, monthly basis in order to hopefully make those kind of changes that will make the consumer's lives better. But private treaty will often, you know, despite the fact, as I say, it's it's hard work to get through. It's the most popular form of transaction. I've spoken to people in Scotland, uh, asked them exactly the same question as you, Simon, uh, but they say there's equally as many people in Scotland who don't like the Scottish system who would much rather have the private treaty transaction system. Oh, interesting. So, interesting, yeah. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Just, I don't think just plugging property auctions there for a second, Richard, and my understanding, and correct me because you're the expert and I'm definitely not, 
But if that property that had fallen through went to um, auction, it would had all its searches, etc., in that pack. So when that was being put put to auction, the solicitors or whoever puts that together would it would have all been done at the very very beginning of the transaction, so that when you buy get that pack at the auction house, you've got everything you possibly need to make a sensible decision, and then yeah. you've got twenty days or twenty eight days or whatever it is to complete once the hammer goes down. Yeah. There's none of that prevarication. That's it. So um, that's what we ask for in the legal pack. The more information that's contained within the auction legal pack, the better. I always say to people, the more you put in there, the more transparency there is. We don't want to hoodwink people. That's not what it's about. So uh, when we um, write to the solicitors at the beginning of the transaction, we say these are the things that we absolutely want in there and these are the things that we'd like in there. Now, sometimes because of uh, the length of time that it takes to get searches back, uh, from some local authorities, although there was a chap there who spoke today from um, Land Registry and how Land Registry are now taking over to be a search provider um, and they've um, already brought on board a, a, a very good number of local authorities in the UK. So if you get the searches now, they come from Land Registry and not from the local authority, but that's, you know, I think they're about a third of the way through the local authorities in the UK. Um, but at the moment, um, the chances are the searches are still going to come back from local authority. They could take four, five, six weeks sometimes. Sometimes it could be two weeks. So quite often we get instructed two, three or four weeks before the auction date, and it's not possible to get the searches back in time. So searches generally for people who are buying cash um, are not essential. So that's why we call them a non-essential item in, in, in a legal pack. But it's better. The more information you've got, the better. Because we want you as a buyer to be able to make exactly what uh, Harry just said, the best informed decision, having been given all of that evidence prior to the auction. So it's a complete 180 degree turnaround from private treaty where all of that information is just dripped out over a number of weeks and months. So it's like, there you go. There's the legal pack. Have a look at it. Get More importantly, get your solicitor to look at it and inspect the property. And once you've inspected the property and you've made your inquiries and you've, you've got your solicitor to uh, look at the legal pack or you're satisfied with the legal pack yourself, that's when you make the decision whether you want to go ahead and bid or not. And that is one exciting way to buy one of your the, the biggest asset you'll ever own in your life for most people, isn't it? At auction. We sell more and more to end users now, Simon, than ever before. Property auctions are not the domain of dealers, investors, um, you know, in the same way as they were before. Um, and that's because more and more purchasers want that certainty of purchase as well as the sellers wanting that certainty of sale. If you look at, um, there's been a lot of talk lately about um, you know, interest rate rises on mortgages, but if you look at how many people are cash buyers, they far outweigh those that are getting mortgages. Wow. So they, yeah. those people are very happy on the whole, as long as it's a clear and transparent process and it's fair to bid on a property at auction because they know once they've got it, it can't be taken away from them. And also that they will be moving into that property probably anything between six and eight weeks from the date that they first saw it. Yeah, that's incredible. That's the dream, isn't it? It really is. Richard, um, I'm not being rude, um, but we are aware that there are some Labradors that need feeding um, (laughs) and we're working to time constraints. Um, When we were chatting on the phone the other day, uh, one of the things you said to me has been resonating since you said it. Um, and I've, I've written on my phone, hence the reason I'm not looking at And that was people are unaware just how much auctions affect everyday life, their everyday life. 
Yeah. And that's and that's it's because it's everything, isn't it? From the food and you said, Harry, it's from everything, from the food on their plate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that I found fascinating. And is that that's is that affecting your approach to your presidency? I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think it has a it, there's a role of auctions that is behind the scenes in in most things that happen. And you know, I think I'll use the example to you whether you know it's. If you've had, if you're going to have a bit of fish this week, the chances are it's going to have been auctioned and traded through um, one of the uh, UK uh, fish auctions, um, or whether it's uh, that bit of steak you got from the butcher down the road, it's been through a livestock auction. Um, you know, all of these things. Your business, uh, and I'm I'm pinching this from Philip Allwood because he told me this years ago, and I love this phrase. He said, "Your business, goods, chattels." fine arts, collectibles. It's the greatest recycling business in the world. You know, that's the thing. And he gets hugely frustrated about these gorgeous bits, and you probably do as well, gorgeous bits, big brown furniture that they're out of fashion, people don't want to buy them. They'll happily go down to Ikea or similar stores are available. No, 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 it's okay. We're on record for slagging off Ikea. I know you, oh, weren't, do- I know you weren't doing that, Richard, but you could, we, we're happy with that. It's, it's a four-letter four word. Make no mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, well, I think we're trying to rack up a number of warnings for uh, giving them a hard time. <laughs> well, um, let's just say you, you can go to stores like that. Um, purchase um, a chair that's probably, you know, it's nowhere near the quality that a Victorian would have uh, uh, chair would have been made um and then when it goes a little bit wrong it'll go down the tip you know that's just you know that's the throwaway world we live in and yet in your sales i'm sure it happens same with philip and uh, and all the other uh, goods and charters auctioneers you've got these beautiful bits of you know heavy brown furniture and you think oh the other craftsmanship that went into making that you know and you're trying to get a bit of a tenor and then you still can't get a bit of a tenor and you're thinking and I remember I saw Philip a few years ago. He said, "Just offer me a fiver for this wardrobe." It's a fiver. He said, "It cost you more than that to get kindling to start your fire if you were going to buy a bag of kindling from the from the petrol station on the way home from the sale." Um, so um, yeah, I think um, yeah, auctions are. I, I, I just love them, and I think that the, the thing for me, it's, there's some things that have happened. When I went to Kivels, it took me back to when when I was kind of six and seven, and my granddad used to take me to the uh, livestock auctions at places like Finmere and Tame. Um, you know, sadly these are you know long, no longer in existence, but that you know that took me back to a childhood memory. Um, but I think that um, you know on some of the slides that I was talking about today. Um, you know, it's not um, it's not just for expensive things or distressed things. It's auction is a really good way to find out what somebody or a couple of people will pay for something. Um, yeah. I don't know if either of you, did ever either of you watch um, Sotheby's live stream the other week on the Freddie Mercury sale? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, we're both addicted to. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> It was it was fantastic, wasn't it? Absolutely yeah. fantastic. And you just think, you know, well, and I'm always interested in, well, why did why did that go for that, or you know, why did that go for that? And um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic. And okay, that's a kind of extreme because you're dealing with a very very small percentage of people that can afford to buy that kind of stuff. Um, but they've got the opportunity to buy it, and their hearts are racing just as much as if I come along to yours to buy that Georgian sideboard or that nice you know set of silver spoons or you know whatever it is um but there is there's nothing quite like it it is about that it's the gavel falls and everybody knows you know you sold it the client knows they've sold it the purchaser knows they've bought it happy days and i think that in a very 
odd world that we seem to live in at times. For me, auctions have been around for, since 500 BC for a reason, and that's because people like some certainty in their lives, and we give them that on a on a daily basis. What more can you say, Harry? What more? Uh, that is absolutely big, fantastic. Big D, can you just clip that bit up, and we're going to put that all over the socials. We'll send that to Richard. He's just summed up my profession in a in a, in a couple of sentences in a heartbeat, and made, yeah, and made it sound fantastic. I want to be one now. Oh, I am. There we go. I'm loving it. <laughs> every conference I go to, and every meeting I go to, I think, oh, flipping that. Yeah, they're really bright. They're really smart. You know, whatever. But actually, I, I do think that having somebody who is really passionate and not actually like the smartest person is going to make a difference. Well, I, I, I do genuinely believe for Narva for the next 12, 18, 24 months, that's what we need. And we need to do those things that I've said. We need to get some people from different backgrounds on board who want to be part of it, not just a ticket box, but mm-hmm. want to be part of it. Um, and, and I know they're out there um, because in a very short space of time, they've started connecting with me. Um, so... I think that's that fills me with uh, confidence going forward. Richard, I think um, I think you sum things up there beautifully. I think you're going to do a fantastic job. I think Narva is very lucky to have you in this role. Um, I think from, if I can speak for Harry, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And without a doubt, your enthusiasm and love for the business comes shining through. And I totally agree with you. That speaks more, that speaks volumes um, that you are the right person uh, to be in this role. And I have to say, I feel like we could do eight podcasts with you and still not get finished for the amount of um, that, that we could discuss. But for today, unfortunately, there's a couple of Labradors that need walking and <laughs> and Dave's uh, got a bit of uh, editing, tiny bit of editing to do for Squeaky Toys. Um, and I just want to thank you for A, the job that you're doing and B, for sharing your time on our podcast because I think we started this podcast, Harry and I, literally just to try and spread the message about auctions, about auction houses, about the green messaging, about what we do and why we love it. And to have you representing um, all of us and talking so um, so beautifully about the business and why it is so important uh, is fantastic. We're all on the same page and therefore absolutely delighted that you've been on the podcast with us today. So thank you, Richard. Simon, Harry, can I can I just say a couple of things real quickly? Firstly, I, I, and I said this to Harry when he rang me up the other day. Um, thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, it was um, really lovely to be invited. And thank you for um, letting me um, have this, this discussion with you today. Um, so, yeah, appreciate that. Thanks, Richard. Really appreciate it, mate. And uh, we will be having you back before Definitely. you finish your presidency just to see how things are going. Well, the second thing, of course, is I am making it my mission to visit as many NAVA members as possible in the coming year. I would love to be able to visit you guys. Anytime. When you're NAVA members. When you're ah, NAVA when members. You're NAVA members. There you love, go. There's the close. Now, ABC always be closing. Uh, you never I'll, lose it, do you? Never lose it. Simon, I'll fill the paperwork in later. I'll pay you okay. something for you, love. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> We're in. We're in. All Richard, right. thank you Cheers, so Richard. much. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. That was quite a grown-up chat, Simon. A bit quite grown-up. Do you know what? I I think we should have a fact count for these podcasts because I have to say I think I learned 
a hell of a lot. That's got to be right up there. We could we can do a little bit of funny now and again. We can do a little bit of jokey and all the rest of it. But thank you, Richard. I learned a lot there, and it was fascinating. And I've got to say, I did. I, I kind of did feel at the end of that that. God, we could have kept going and going and going. We could have drilled down on so many more subjects, but yeah, yeah, apparently yeah. a podcast is only a certain amount of time and all the rest of it. But Richard, thank you for coming on the pod. Um, and I think we've got to have Richard back. He is a mine of information, a mine of enthusiasm. And thank goodness he's heading up Narva on our, you know, representing all of us on our behalf. Do you know what? All you can take from that is one, he's across his brief, is he not? He's trying to drag the organisation forward, which obviously that's no bad thing and that's important. And boy, is he a passionate individual about all things auctions. Hmm. And he is, I mean, I know you're not a social media fiend and all the rest of it, whereas I'm, uh, we've already confessed I'm a bit of a stalker. He is on the road meeting people, posting about it, chatting about what he's doing almost constantly and you gotta love him because he's got two amazing dogs which you will uh, no doubt have heard during the uh, <laughs> during the podcast and we were introduced to once we'd uh, once we'd signed off on the podcast and they are amazing creatures they're lovely animals um i think one of the things that we talk about in the pod quite a lot harry is the fact that we want to get the message out we started the pod to get the message out about how wonderful auctions can be not just ours uh up and down the country auction houses the length and breadth of the country they're good fun they're green it's about recycling it's about upcycling it can be about saving money it can be about making money and it's the greenest and oldest way of buying and selling that you can possibly have what i'm excited about is that we've now met a fellow auction fan who is equally out there through his own methods through narva through narva property uh banging the same drum it's not just us and we were uh, arrogant to think that perhaps we were it isn't there are people like richard out there also banging that drum so fantastic to meet him and all power to him yeah great advocate and uh yeah fantastic stuff um simon what have we got what offers have we got on the pod at the moment I mean, we're we're supporting Narva on this particular episode, but we've got the Antiques Trade Gazette, haven't we? Thirty percent off a subscription, and Simon will now tell you the uh, link: the AntiquesTradeGazette.com forward slash gavel. The link is also in the description. Dear listener, if you get time, please like, subscribe, and write a five star review if you want to uh, for our podcast. It helps <laughs> with people finding us. It helps with people finding us. It's all down to algorithms, apparently. Not just the content, but you've got to have lots of likes and subscriptions to keep it going. Thanks very much, Simon. Uh, we are spending uh, four of the longest days of our auctioneering career together in a week, aren't we? We're doing thirteen hundred lots with thirteen hundred lots with me, oh. and then we're down to Devon and between five hundred, six hundred lots with you in a day. So that's nice. He forgot it was a podcast, eh? He stopped talking. So I'll uh, I'll see you then. Love you. Bye.